Diodos. All right. This is uh, Diodos Podcast. Uh, I don't know what episode this is. And we are here with my good friend Alden. How you doing? Good. How you doing, man? Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Uh, so uh, where are you tuning in from right now? I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hey, shout out. Full disclosure to everybody listening, me and Alden uh, went to high school together, and now he's doing big, bad things, doing the freelance thing with video and just like a bunch of multimedia, actually. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. T- tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, wh- what you do, you know, what what do you do? What are you? What do you consider yourself? Um, my email signature says... Well, I got I have a couple of emails. One says that I'm an adventure filmmaker. The other one says I'm a producer. And then um, I also run a wedding photography and video business with my wife. Dang. So yeah, I think one of the one of the biggest things that I feel like our our listeners are really um, interested in hearing, or are hopefully you know maybe in the process of doing, is uh, trying to be freelancers themselves. So okay. Uh, first give give us a little background on like i guess your 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 background your schooling uh where where you went to school and how you kind of made that transition you know deciding to be a freelancer yeah so i I went to uh point park university and got a degree there in cinema production Mm -hmm. um and that they like gear that a lot towards like straight up filmmaking right and like going going to hollywood and working on big movies mm-hmm. um but i i was interested in more of the business aspect of of things mm-hmm. um and so right after i graduated i started working at a production company as an editor mm-hmm. and um that company got bought out merged with the bigger company and the bigger company and i did not mesh that well right um but I didn't really know that like freelancing was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until I had started working at the bigger company that I started meeting freelancers and realized that it, it was totally a viable option. And um, so I, after about nine months total, mm-hmm. after graduating, I'd been doing editing for nine months. And then I decided, I was like, all right, I hate working at this office. So I'm going to try to be a freelancer and we'll see how it goes. Dude. I remember, and, I remember that. Sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. It was, it was tough. Um, yeah, the first, at, at first I was just an editor and freelancing as a straight up editor is, is kind of hard if you don't have a lot of connects. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that was, that was tough for the first like year. What were you Started doing in the better. beginning? Um, so I connected with one of the, the guy that gave me my first job who he was the owner of the company that got bought out mm-hmm. and he had left in the merger. He left to do his own thing. Mm-hmm. And so when I first left um, the office job, he was like, well, you can come work for me as a freelancer mm-hmm. if you want. And so that's what I did. And, and that was maybe um, 50% of my time. And from there I just, you know, tried to network and make, become friends with people that had jobs and, would be able to pay me money right right um 
so uh, yeah. I mean, I I remember I remember seeing like you you not that far off from college, just um, going into just doing I I, rem- I, f- I forget, but there was either a series of posts or just a pil- a big post where you're just like I'm out. I'm out of this. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm not doing this. I'm going to take an adventure and do like freelancing shit. But I knew you yeah. weren't like at home. You weren't in, in Charlestown, West Virginia. You were still in Pittsburgh. So right. h- how was, uh, you know, deal like how did you ma- like how did you get by? Because uh, that's the um, one thing. right? Was, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't it wasn't easy. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, I had like student loans. Um, racked up some credit card debt which is not a good thing um but yeah i you know just i was really grinding Mm -hmm. and um working all the time i i didn't have a good sleep schedule i would work you know maybe 10 12 hours if i was late on a project or if the deadline was the next day i would stay up all night and get it done um and then a few months after i started freelancing i moved into my van and to save on rent and um yeah and so then that that made things a little bit easier but also a little harder you know because the van didn't really work so it was sort of stationary yeah yeah yeah. i couldn't like drive around and so there were it it made things easier in a monetary sense but then it was harder you know if if somebody had a job and they wanted me to come shoot i had to either like it had to be in biking distance or i had to like make sure that i could get a ride with somebody before i could accept the job Mm mm-hmm that kind of thing we were doing uh was uh pittsburgh a good place to to do that to find like work Um, to find work it's not bad um there's there's definitely like a freelance community um but as i have learned you know they the big jobs come and, and they come pretty frequently but they only go to the same like two or three people at the top in their little lane mm-hmm. um and so if you want to and then even even when you get those big jobs you have no say over what the what it is right, like, right. you know i was usually when i i could get editing jobs pretty consistently but they were never anything i was really excited about right right it was you know a corporate video for a healthcare company or for an airline or something like that and you know it was great because i was making making ends meet and 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 enjoying it in that regard but it wasn't like work that i was excited about it wasn't the stuff that i wanted to get into and i quickly realized that like you have to be the person that's out there trying to get the jobs if you want to do if you want to make the kinds of videos and work that that you're interested in right and that's really important like um when you're trying to you know say you know fuck you to a corporate you know life and not do the work that you don't want to do but then you're right. you see yourself doing freelancing and slowly also did you did you feel like you hated uh some of the work that you did or you feel like you didn't like yeah yeah absolutely so no, i mean i've i very quickly like i still do a lot of editing because uh i think it's something i'm pretty good at mm-hmm. and i can get a lot of jobs doing it that way but i i don't really like editing anymore yeah and like unless it's something unless it's a project that i'm really excited about then I can I can get amped and and definitely enjoy it. But like in general, if I had to if if I had the option to shoot something or edit something, I'm 
nine times out of ten going to pick shooting. I feel you. I feel you. Even if it's boring, it's just it's even if it's like a corporate video, it's still way more fun than editing. Word. Okay, I think uh, I think I kind of like jumped the gun and just went straight into like what you're doing a little more than I want than I intended to. But okay, uh, I want to uh, roll back a little bit um, to b- yeah. before college. Yeah. Uh, I want I want you to talk about um, we went to high school together. Uh, right. How was it? Uh, you know, how was your your background growing up, and you know, how did you get into film? Because I know you were into film like before every anybody that I knew for real. Yeah, um, it, I like growing up. I never really I I would you know when they would ask what do you want to be when you grow up. I never had a good answer mm-hmm. until I saw the movie V for Vendetta, and. Okay. Um, and when I was watching that, I was just like really enthralled by it. It was, there's some really cool filmmaking in it and, uh, really good storytelling. And I was like, whatever they're doing, I want to do that. I want to figure out how they do that. And like, that's the job that you can actually get paid to do. Um, it just fascinated me. So I started like watching more movies and learning whatever I could, however I could. Mm -hmm. I started, um, like, I got a little handy cam that we filmed a ton of stuff on, and um, I would just, I, I learned how to, I taught myself how to use iMovie, and then got Final Cut, and learned that a little bit, and then took, in high school, we had a really good TV video class, mm-hmm. and so I learned a lot more of how to edit there, um, and then we got some better equipment as well, and... Um, yeah, the TV video class, I think, really set me up for success the most. Because, like, had we not had that class, I, I, you know, I don't know, I don't think I would have seen, I, I would definitely wouldn't have, like, figured out how interested I was in it. Because, you know, our phones weren't good at video cameras. Right. They, like they are today, you know. I don't think, I don't even know if the original iPhone could actually shoot video. Yeah, I, I, um, I was in that class. I remember we had that huge ass camera and like all that yeah. gear that the camera needed and uh right and and the, also i look back and i'm like the quality wasn't even that good for such a huge no. camera uh yeah yeah so so yeah i mean i, I remember you know being in that class uh uh you you won a lot of awards um uh through you know some of the video submissions for like our local film competitions and stuff right um right. And that was pretty dope. Uh, and then, so I remember you were also, you know, super into that class, trying to submit, trying to apply to NYU. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm, I, did that work out? Did the NYU thing work out? No, I got rejected. You got absolutely. okay. You got rejected. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, I wasn't sure. Yeah. I, I, I remember you were trying to make your portfolio, so you got rejected. And, uh, yeah. but that still pushed you to just be like, yo, I'm just going to go to school for film and any, for anything else. Like there was, there was yeah. never a plan B for you. Not really. Um, I mean, you know, it, it definitely helped. I think, I don't know if it was the same day or like, it might have just been the same week, but I, I got rejected from NYU and then Point Park accepted me and gave me a, a huge scholarship. And so I was like, well, Point Park likes me, so I'll just go there and, and do it that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was never like in in high school. There, the, I remember point blank, my counselor told me 
that um, I was stupid for trying to do film and that I would never make it and I would like it's not a real job that I'd be able to do what and that to me yeah that to me was just like no screw you I'm uh, this is just even more reason for me to go do it at Point um, Park at in college no at no at at Washington oh okay okay sorry I thought you said Point yeah, Park yeah, yeah. what the no, fuck and in high school our counselor one of our counselors told me that that is so. stupid I didn't know yeah. that yeah yep so yeah, that was even more push. You know, like there were times there were people that I looked up to, like um, like Mr. Perks was the original TV video teacher, mm-hmm. and he had finessed. Oh, sorry. He had finessed. Gotta get that background oh, nice. Sorry, brother. Nah, you're good. Um, hey. Mr. Perkins. Or, <laughs> Mr. Perks. Mr. Perks was yeah. He was the original TV video teacher, and he. Um, he like had a good setup going where, you know, he, it seemed to me like he had a good life and he taught TV video and he worked as like the head of the communications or whatever for the whole school board. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, that's a, that's one way that it could go. Um, you know, like still be involved with video and everything, right. but not necessarily like having huge aspirations. Right, um, right, right. And then there was even like a small time where, I really looked up to our biology teacher, Mr. Otto, mm-hmm. and I, uh, and I was really into biology, and I was like, I could I could see myself being a biology teacher. That lasted for like two weeks. Yo, but Mr. Otto was fucking cool. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, no, he was the best. I swear he was probably like on some shit when he was teaching. Probably not, but <laughs> I mean to be that cool in high school, I don't know, man. Yeah, well, he always had he had those stories about like when he was. Uh, he like worked for the Peace Corps over in Africa and he like stopped somebody from getting raped and got stabbed and what? he had, had all these crazy stories. You never heard all that? Not really. I mean, were we in the same class? I, I had him, I had him in three, for three different classes. Yeah. I had him for only so. one class and I feel like he hated okay. my class. <laughs> he was just like fucking not. Like he he knew the material we were he was teaching us was over our heads. I feel like I was in the dumb yeah. class when I went when I was at Mr. Yeah, Otto. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, I remember Mr. Otto, uh, yeah. and I remember Mr. Perks. Um, but but yeah, so so you were in high school. No, not really like any aspiration for other things. Um, you, no. uh, anything else that you did like in high school uh, other than film? Um, I mean, uh, like in regards to like what I thought I would do later on in life or right, right. just in general. Yes. Sorry. No, I mean, like I, we played sports, uh, you and I played soccer together. I played tennis and, um, but like I, I, you know, that I was, I didn't, I never tried out for, to play on college or anything like that. It was always, video was definitely the thing that I was most interested in. And I, I thought that, um, you know. I, w- I was motivated by the the fact that like not that many people get to to do to like direct movies and stuff mm-hmm. so th- and that just motivated me I was like I'm gonna be the one that's gonna work hard and um you know this is my dream and I'm just gonna keep working at it until I make it happen word and so like when when the counselor was like no you can't do that I was like that's just even more fire for me <laughs> you know so you you go through high school you give a middle finger to that counselor. You go to school for yeah. film anyway. You get out of school. You start this job. 
you're like i don't like this job and now you are uh in a van trying to find uh yeah. freelance freelancing jobs uh yep. to sustain your life and sustain your dream of just yeah. fil- filming shit making shit right so absolutely uh you know being in a van uh and trying to make ends meet for something like creative on a freelance tip what made you think that could happen like what made you think that can um be possible for you just like in general like yeah like how is that gonna yeah like how are you gonna how how are you making it work um i mean like down in the nitty-gritty i i, I worked at a co-working space mm-hmm. um and so i had i had a permanent desk there and it had a full kitchen laundry shower so i basically lived there and just like i did all my cooking and showering and laundry the only thing i didn't do there was sleep so i would always go to my van at the end of the day and sleep um but yeah it was it, it like <laughs> looking back it wasn't great um you know i it would have been fine had the van moved that that was that would have been a game changer but right. i mean yeah in um you know just the the working aspect you know it it was always um you know it was always like paycheck to paycheck like things were always tight but if i could find the next job that would lead to the next job and the next job and if each time i tried to pivot it in a way that it would it would be more of the ideal job i would be that one step closer to mm-hmm. to hitting the goals um and that is pretty much how it's gone up even till now mm-hmm. you know it's you know you you try to get the next job and try to make it a little bigger than the last job and you try to make the the final video like 10 times better than the last video and you always yeah, hear you always hear about like uh freelancers not getting paid in a timely fashion did that did that happen yeah. to you oh yeah it still happens to me all right <laughs> Uh, but I, yeah. but I imagine it was way harder when you were just starting out like in a van. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like when I started out, I didn't really know anything about running a business. That uh-huh. was, that was definitely the hardest part was that, you know, I, I had the skills to make videos, but mm-hmm. I didn't have, I had no idea how, like how I didn't know that you're supposed to send an invoice that you were supposed to sign contracts for the projects. Like I didn't, I didn't actually start doing contracts until last year, you know? Whoa. And, yeah how does it how does it feel feels great now especially (laughs) because of covid you know my contracts have a force majeure so like i there wasn't anything that bad that happened from this situation other than having no work but like had somebody been like you signed like we have a job you have to come out and film this thing i could say nope my hands are tied under the state of emergency and you can't like the contracts definitely just provide a big peace of mind to be in like your your ass is covered you don't have to worry about somebody trying to sue you or like i'm pretty much paid on time now because the contracts have have it laid out to be like that you know but i mean i definitely like as a when i was first freelancing i'd be lucky if i got if i got my payment within like two months of finishing the job right and uh, was there like an event that like sort of made you be like okay i should start doing contracts um my wife was always on me about it 
you know, she, she's been, uh, she has a better business education than I do. Oh, I see, so I see. She was always like, why don't you have contracts? You're crazy. Um, and yeah, it was never really like one thing, but it was, it, it was when it changed, when I changed my, um, my way of working from being an editor that would find, um, videos to edit for somebody else. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. When I went from finding videos that somebody had already shot to being the person to talk to the client and shoot the thing and probably edit the thing as well, I felt like, you know, that was when I had the entire control of the situation and a contract was necessary to, to make sure that, that everything happened as it should. You know, when I was just the editor, I was just the editor. So, if, you know, if all I had to do was turn in the edit on time and nothing bad would happen. Right, right. Okay. Dope, 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 dope. So, yeah. uh, uh, let's get into uh, some of the some of the projects that you work on. So, okay. uh, you said your email uh, bio says adventure filmmaker, and yeah. you know may maybe you consider yourself something else, or or you don't know. Uh, tell us about like the projects that you think characterize you, that, or your favorite ones. Tell us about something. Yeah. Um... I mean, the, the ones that I enjoy filming the most are like just anything that has to do with being outside or adventure sports, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So that's just, that's what I am really personally interested in. Um, but I'm also really into music. Um, and so music videos have been a thing that I've, I've gotten into more and more over the last few years. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to just edit music videos and and then last year I started shooting a lot of music videos as well. Um, and I, you know, shot music video with you guys. So that was fun. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, okay. Now that you mentioned it, tell us about the music, uh, the music video you shot for us, uh, for Thailand for OG yeah. legit. Right. Right. Um, yeah, that was, you guys contact me out of, out of the blue. Um, and we and like, do you want to shoot a music video for us? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Um, that was, I think, that was almost three years ago, probably, right? Yeah. It it also um, took us a while to to put it out. We're yeah. we're also trying to figure out some business stuff. Uh, yeah. From our end, but but yeah, yeah. I, I I wasn't able to make it, but I saw like, um, what was that the first time you worked with a rapper? Um, that was the first time I shot with a rapper. Yeah. And I I had I had edited rap videos before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd shot other types of music videos, but that was the first one of like shooting for rap specifically. Mm -hmm. well, well, how did um, you approach that project uh, differently than before? That was so like that, that was sort of when I was starting to um, take more control of the shoots, be, going from not just being the editor to like being the director and the shooter right. as well and, and, and bringing in more aspects of or taking taking on more aspects of the production, um, so you know, Tylon and Maro and I like um, created uh, an idea to to put around the you know like when I the music video is the way I shoot. There's like the verse footage, so it's just like the rapper rapping straight to the camera, mm -hmm. and then there's like the B-roll, the story. So we we created a, a story um, around the song itself um and so i i like had i don't know if i had a, a real shot list but i had an idea of the shots i wanted to get and um 
and that kind of thing. But it was definitely an, an interesting learning experience because um, I wasn't I wasn't that good of friends with Maro and Tylon. Mm-hmm. Like we we knew each other for sure, but um, it was it's definitely interesting. Like going down to WVU and I I wasn't familiar with Morgantown, so they were just like taking me all over the place and saying like, all right, we got to film this part here and. You know, it was definitely like we had, I think, twelve hours to do the whole thing. Shit, so we were just like flying trying to around catch... like crazy. Right, right. And I had fucking knowing Thailand was probably, uh, I don't know. You guys probably thought of stuff last second. Yeah. To do, absolutely. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, to your credit, I think that video came out pretty nice. Yeah, I, I'm happy with where it ended up. It was, it was very nice. It was very nice, but also um i think we should have dropped it sooner because it would have been it would have been more hype i think we held it too long but anyway yeah um so that 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 was a pretty interesting project that i remember that you did another interesting project that i uh that i remember that i saw was uh that video that commercial uh you shot for john geiger i think that's how you pronounce his name yeah. So tell us about that, because I, I feel like, you know, a lot of people know who John Geiger is as a, as a shoe designer. They probably bought one of his yeah. shoes or know of him online. How did yeah. uh, how did you become involved in that project? Yeah, so I was actually, I was like very loosely involved. I shot that drone shot and and that was that was pretty much it as far as me mm-hmm. being involved. But um, my friend, um, I have friends Cody Baker, um, Ben Petchel, and... Um, Jordan Armstrong, they had been contacted by John Geiger to create a whole campaign around, um, I, forget, I think it was the Pittsburgh shoe that he was releasing, mm-hmm. the black and white, or the black and yellow colorway. But so he, he like, ha- they helped him design the billboards that were going up around town. And um, so they like took the photos for the billboards and designed the billboards and then filmed content like did time lapses of billboards going up and um like a handful of other things and they created all this media a whole whole marketing plan around the release of that shoe and um my friend ben was supposed to do the drone shot himself but he had crashed his drone i think and it was like it was like november they had it, he called me one day and he was like i need you to shoot this tomorrow because the video has to go out in two days and um i had like just gotten a drone and was just like getting used to it and ben was just like can you it's gonna snow do you mind flying in the snow and i guess somebody <laughs> else that he had asked was like absolutely not i won't find the snow and i was like yeah i'll do i'll do it whatever um and so yeah, i just I, I mean that that was like one of the there were definitely projects like that where you're very loosely involved and I literally had two phone calls showed up for 30 minutes of flying the drone and and then passed off the footage and somebody else edited it and and that was it right and I I think that that commercial came out you know super dope and like I knew a, like I've definitely seen uh John Geiger uh Instagram and, and images of a shoe here and there. I wasn't too familiar with his stuff when I saw him, but then I saw uh, that you were 
you, you, you put this up and, and I saw that the billboard looked pretty dope and then I looked into it more and I was like, whoa, this is like a big deal in my perspective. I, you probably maybe worked with bigger clients and for big, bigger projects, but uh, would you say uh, that was like a relatively big client for you? Yeah, that was that was definitely big at the time. Um, you know, I when I was first freelancing, just doing editing, the producer that I was working for, he had, he was doing some like internal videos for Spirit Airlines and Ram Trucks, mm-hmm. and so like that was, you know, that was really cool right out of college to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm editing videos for Spirit and Ram, um, and it, you know, that it it being a little small town boy from West Virginia, it seems really cool to, to get to work with those big brands. Yeah. But then as, as you get, as you get deeper in with the industry, you realize that everybody's working with those brands in one way or another. Right. Right. And like, that doesn't, that doesn't ruin it. You know, it's, it's still super cool to, you know, I've, I've flown all over the country and to, uh, a bunch of places in the Caribbean to film for spirit airlines. And like, you know, it, it, you definitely, it's not as cool as it originally was to be working for Spirit, but the work itself is still fun. And, you know, I've got, I went to Columbia twice in two months last year to, to work for Spirit. That's pretty dope. So like that, yeah. So like that stuff, it, it, it doesn't go away. But um, I think the thing that has been more interesting is, is like working with um, celebrities occasionally. Mm-hmm. They, they like almost don't want the attention right like i didn't i didn't actually talk directly to john geiger ever um, so I, I don't know what he was like but right um i've i've made it i filmed ryan chazier opened a milkshake factory and so I, I filmed him at the event and he was sure. just like a normal dude and and my friend afterwards who got me that job was like he likes you because you didn't make him out to be some some super star you know you were just like treating him like a normal person nice like, yeah why 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 would i treat him like anything else you know right right yeah i mean that's that's super important do you think like uh you know people who uh, go out like do you think that's people who want to do video and want to do freelance like uh and work with like bigger name like maybe celebrities or maybe um bigger bigger brands and companies like how how do they go about like how would they go about uh do you think here let me rephrase my question um if someone were looking to work with you know celebrities or bigger brands now how would they try to get to that yeah um, there's, it's, it's kind of tricky cause there's not like a straightforward way to do it. You know, um, it's, it really changes from, from company to company. Like there are certain brands, they market or they, um, farm out all of their marketing to agencies. Mm-hmm. And, and so like you have to, if you want to work with certain brands, you have to basically be, a freelancer that works for the agency that it was hired by the brand mm-hmm. um but i've also had good luck and success with just like sending 
DMs to to brands mm-hmm. that I wanted to work with, or or cold emails. Who who to, who, to different who has that worked with? The cold emails um, and DMs. Definitely the smaller brands. You know, um, there's some like niche outdoor companies that I've worked with. Um, I posted a video the other day, Hummingbird Hammocks, mm-hmm. and that was just a straight up, "Hey, your hammocks are cool. I want to make a video," and and then they were like, you know. It, it changes every time they they didn't have any budget but they were like we'll send you a thousand dollars worth of hammocks <laughs> and i was like i was like all right we, we can make that work that's pretty dope um yeah and you know like that doesn't that doesn't that's not sustainable in the long term but it was cool to do to to do one off and and like the the thing that i was looking for there was i wanted full creative control mm-hmm. and in that situation it was yeah i could i basically got to make whatever video i wanted to make um they they every time i sent the, a new cut they were like yep that's great looks good does it it seems like you kind of like uh, kind of balance out your work to where you have some projects that you do because you know you still have to make ends meet you need to get your your bills paid and you want to do you know certain work and you might not necessarily love doing that work maybe and it seems like and then you diversify your your other creative time uh with still you know maybe getting some sort of exchange uh but having something where you do have full creative control or you're trying something new um how you know what what is like the ba- like uh how how do you balance that or what is the balance yeah there? yeah no i mean it's it's just like you said you know i have to you have to get enough work if if you're trying to do full-time freelance filmmaking that kind of thing Mm -hmm. you have to have enough work to to meet your bills you know um and unfortunately the the companies that usually pay better don't want to do cool videos they they want to do you know the thing that they've done for year after year um because they know it works for them and like that's good for business i guess so and they still are willing to pay so you know, you, I, I load up my schedule with that kind of work and then in my free time to, to, you know, keep my sanity and stuff, I'll, I'll find different passion projects that I want to do, mm-hmm. whether, whether it's doing music videos for a friend who is trying to, to make it or going like, you know, and, and on a lot of my travels, I've filmed those and tried to turn those into different types of films. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's just, you know, I enjoy filmmaking for, for the fun passion project things. Um, and you know, I, I'm the type of person, you know, there certainly are people that could have a normal office job and, you know, just on their, in their free time do filmmaking, but that's not me at all. Right. Right. I sort of get, I get crushed at an office job and, you know, the corporate videos might not be fun, but they're 10,000 times better than sitting at the office. Right, um, right. Um, so, and then, and so then it's, you know, it's using a skill that I've learned and, and somehow somewhat mastered to, to, to pay the bills and I get to make my own schedule and do whatever I want in, in that regard. But it's, it's the passion projects that you do in the free time or, or like for a gear exchange or something like that, that, that are what keep you going. Okay. Uh, I do see this uh, with a lot of younger artists online. Like, um, 
you know, they're graphic designers, uh, you know, videographers, photographers. They feel like they're so deep into their passion. And then at some point they're like, I've lost all my passion for, for my art, like for art or for like this thing that I'm working on or what do you, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like you've lost certain passion? Like, I know you mentioned like, you know, just to keep my sanity type of thing. Uh, yeah. Have you, have you ever felt that way? And what is your advice yeah. for kids, younger um, people yeah, or anybody I mean, really? Yeah. So I, I used to film everything. Like I, I always had had my big DSLR with me, and would film everything that happened throughout the day, um, and it was mostly to like make little Instagram videos. Right. And um, there was a certain time. Um, so for there was a little period in between my freelancing career where I I did have um, an office job, but it was okay because it was. I, I was doing film freelancing, but basically just for one company. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was in the middle of that, of the year that I spent at that company where I sort of stopped filming everything. Um, Cause it, you know, I, I sort of found myself trying to, to film, film my everyday life at the same caliber, the same production quality that I film like the uh, commercials that, that costs thousands of dollars. Yeah. And I spent, I was spending so much effort on filming my everyday life that I, I eventually felt like I wasn't really present in, in the life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in a way I, I sort of got burnt out at that point because I was spending eight, 10 hours a day at my job then coming home and trying to hustle some freelance on the side to make extra money. And then also filming everything and, trying to spend two to three hours editing all of that stuff. And, you know, I, like as the filming, filming my life and editing that was supposed to be the passion project that kept me happy, mm-hmm. but it, it eventually ended up being the thing that like kept me up till two in the morning and my wife would not complain, but would, you know, like she, as, as one would want to, she would want me to come to bed at the same time as her and like get a good night's sleep. Right, right. And I'd be like, no, I, I have to stay up and edit this film that that I need to put out, you know? Um, and so I, like I slowly started started to realize like that the thing that I thought I was doing to, to keep me happy was, was not really keeping me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I, took a, I took a step back and just stopped filming everything. And I haven't really started again. It's probably been almost a year and a half since I was filming everything I did um and I definitely like feel like I've been more present in my life and and I feel more fulfilled in that way and I've I picked up new hobbies like I could go rock climbing a lot more and I have started doing long distance running um things that I would always want to do but never had the time to do um but the the upside there is that I've I've found that since I'm not spending all of my time filming and editing things, when I, when I concentrate my time to actually film and edit things for commercially or for passion, I put more effort and, and a, a greater percentage of my concentration into those projects. And so before where I was trying to 
produce everything at this level, but I was doing so much that it was at this level mm -hmm. that uh, now, like when I, I'm doing, you know, maybe not even a quarter of the amount of actual videos anymore, yeah. but everything is at a much higher production quality, much more creatively fulfilled. Um, and so it was really just, you know, when, when I felt burnt out, I took a step back and reassessed my values and, and like, just, it was like, why am I doing the things that I'm doing? Word, word. You know, and, and it, it was just, it was good. It was, it was great for me because, you know, for three years, I was just doing them because that's how I thought I would get ahead. And, you know, I, I started doing them to get more practice and better efficiency with my camera and with editing. And I definitely accomplished that goal. But once I accomplished it, I didn't like rein it back and be like, okay, what's the next thing? I just doubled down and kept doing it, kept doing it. And it, you know, it, it, it didn't, it didn't continue to show progress in the end thing. It was just taking a toll on me. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and were there like any sort of, uh, specific things that you did, uh, when reassessing, like, I know, I know it's kind of getting more granular, but like, uh, I, I literally just saw this on Twitter yesterday where like a kid who, um, you know, does uh, drawing was like, I, I feel like I lost my passion in, in, in my, you know, in art. But uh, what, what were some of the specific things that you did, like, that helped you reassess and to redirect yourself? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, one of the things that definitely ended up happening was as I stopped doing, as I stopped filming my everyday life and focused more on my job, I, that's when I started to realize that my job wasn't actually fulfilling in the way that I, that I thought it had been. Mm -hmm. um, and so then, you know, after a few months, I ended up leaving that job and went mm -hmm. back to freelancing. Um, and, but the, the good thing there was that, you know, since I had taken the step back and I wasn't just trying to make more and more content every day, I could, I could reassess and say, okay, you know, what are the things that like, what are the kinds of content that I watch and enjoy? Like, and, and that I would myself want to make. Um, it was, you know, it spent so much time making things that I hadn't had time to watch what other people were making and right, I see. And, and that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, it was, it was definitely like a reassessment of, of values and goals to where for the first few years it was just get the paycheck every month, make sure that I'm not losing money and that I can eat food and maybe go on a cool trip once or twice a year and and now it's much more of okay what's what what are my long-term goals you know where where do i see this thing going is you know we can get real deep but you know it's like there were times where it's like is freelance sustainable you know can i right. can i be a 60 year old dude freelancing and one day retire or is it is it like am i just going to keep this up and freelance until the day i die you know yeah never never actually like save money that kind of thing and, and, and so yeah yeah but did and, you end up answering just, what, what what did you end up answering for that question i feel like people are scared to to, to think that too you know yeah, yeah yeah totally um i mean i think that you know definitely the thing one of the one of the things that i didn't realize really until last year was that i didn't quite value the work that i was doing at the right price point like 
you know, I, I'm not, I'm not the kind of person that likes to talk about money and yeah. how much I should be making or like, you know, I, I've always, I'm, I'm just going to do the job for whatever I think is fair and, right, right. you know, um, but, but, you know, there's certainly a standard of what people are supposed to be paid for, for videos and all that. And it changes from city to city and, and style of video. But, you know, I sort of looked at that and I was like, oh, I'm like way underselling myself and the things I'm doing. Like, you think that's a small towner thing? Um, I don't know. Y you know, I think it it definitely could be that a little bit cause Or do you think that's like a college like, student thing? Well, no, I think it the biggest thing I think it was was, you know, the the job that I got right out of college, they didn't they didn't pay me well, but I didn't know that. Mhm. Mm um, like I think I think it worked out to be I want to say like 600 bucks a week. Whoa. And yeah. And, um, but the guy that had worked at that job before me, like the, he, he graduated into a higher position at the company and mm -hmm. the position that was his, he was like, yeah, I used to get paid 800 a month. So you're lucky Whoa. to get 600 a week. Holy right. shit. Yeah. And so, and so then I was like, oh, 600 a week. I'm like, I'm doing great. Yeah. And when the company got bought out, I got another raise. And I was like, I'm doing even better. <laughs> and, you know, and, and it was just like things would would like slowly work them their, themselves up. But it got to a point where like I sat down and I was like, OK, if I ever want to buy a house, if I like want to have kids, like I'm barely able to afford food for myself and I don't I'm living in my van. I don't even like pay rent. So like I, I see people around me that are they're five or five or 10 years older than me. They're successful. They don't work nearly as hard as, or not hard, but nearly as much as many hours as I am. Mm -hmm. So how are they doing that? And I would talk to them and they'd be like, I'm sorry, how much are you charging? That's not like you're, you're charging like half of what you're supposed to be. Right. Right. And it was just, you know, I never had those conversations with people. So I didn't understand that, you know, it, it's not even like, I, I mean, I was, definitely being taken advantage of in some aspects but mm -hmm. i didn't i didn't push back on it so i was a willing participant you know yeah and do like, you think I, that I was thought, a bad thing at the time uh well do you think that looking back do you think that was a bad thing for you to do or would you tell yourself to do something different or do you wish you yeah, would have done no. something different yeah i i mean so like i always thought that asking for more money or, or pushing back on prices or anything like that was was like a rude thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, and and it's not until I've gotten deeper into to like being a producer and, and seeing videos through from the, from start to finish to like really understand how much money is required. Even if you're even if you're just doing it like it just me, I do all the steps. Mm -hmm. Like it's way more money than you would normally think. And and then if you start to hire on more creative people to to do jobs better than like th to specialize in something that's not your specialty, you hire somebody there, they cost a lot of money. And, and so I just like slowly learned that. And as, as you learn what things normally cost outside of like, like, I feel like I've always lived in this run and gun way or world where it's like, if I can do all the jobs, just me, myself, one man band, that's great. I'm saving money. I can charge the client. I can, I can ask for less money from the client, which means I'm more likely to get the job. And then I get to pocket all the money because I'm the only one working on it.
Right, right. But that that's like the inverse of how you should think about it because if you if you're saying that this is the price point, they're gonna think, oh, that's cheap. Mm-hmm. It might not be a great video, but I can afford it, mm-hmm. or I can spend less money than I normally would. Whereas they they might not be the client probably wouldn't be opposed to paying what what is the normal rate and they'll they'll get a better product out of it. So like in the, in the last year I've done a lot of asking for bigger budgets for for more than what it should be and then having it's having a conversation with the client after you ask that initial number of okay, what can they actually afford? What are their expectations for the video and coming to the right budget number there. I see, I but, see. You know, I w- I was always nervous of like if I had an opportunity to get a video, I was nervous that if I said a number too high that they would think I was rude for asking for that much money and that they just wouldn't say anything to me. So basically you, you know? were you were afraid that if you negotiated anything you would you would lose it. You would lose the opportunity. Right. Where right. you came to the revelation that's like actually you sort of need to negotiate in order for them to value your work. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, I, it happened several times where I would, you know, maybe it was that I was going to be hired for a day to shoot something. Mm-hmm. And and so I'm like, okay, this is a really cool project. I definitely mm-hmm. want to be a part of it. So let me, you know, say a little bit lower than what I would normally say in hopes to to fall in line with what their budget is and get that job. And after you, you know, after five times of saying, hey, I'll, I'll do it for this rate, and they never push back, you think, oh, well, you know, maybe they were going to originally offer me more money than what I told them. Right, right. And so it's it's also that, too, of like, you know, trying to not, not show your cards. Well, you what know. is your, so, all right, let's do a little, little scenario, or not a little scenario. What, what are some of the, yeah, yeah. some of the tactics, specific tactics that you would, um, that you would employ when negotiating? Yeah. Um, so like I, right now, the big one that I do is, is like I said, I, I'll, you know, it's, it's really important to have a good understanding of what the video, what, what the client wants the video to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause if you, if you like don't have the right idea, then your budget probably won't be correct for what they want. And it's just, just going to be a nightmare after that. But, mm-hmm. um, so as long as I have, if, if I feel that I have a good idea of what they want, I'll, I'll create a budget that accounts for all of the costs that I'll have to incur, whether it's you know, paying for myself or getting gas mm-hmm. or paying for parking while I'm on a shoot. And then I'll add in, um, uh, so that'll be like the lowest number that I can do something for. Mm-hmm. And so then I'll add in a good buffer zone, which would technically just be profit. And and then that's the number that I would give to a client mm-hmm. with the full knowledge that they're probably not going to be, excuse me, they're probably not going to be okay with that first number that you see mm-hmm. or that you show them. So if, I, if I'm like, okay, well, this video for me to not really make a profit would cost $1,500, then let me ask for $2,000. Mm-hmm. And through negotiating, we can work our way back to, you know, 1700 or 1600 or maybe ultimately 1500 And, and sort of, sort of, there's a psychology there where if you come in with a high number, 
and they get to negotiate you down to a lower number, they feel like they've won. Mm-hmm. But if but if the number that you went in with was just the number to get them to negotiate, mm-hmm. then at the end of the day, I'm the one winning because I get them to be near near or um, maybe a little higher than whatever that lowest number is. Dope, dope. Yeah, I think that's Does that make sense? super valuable. Right, right. Like you go in with a number that, you know, you know, you would be ecstatic uh, for them to uh, agree to. But, yeah. you know, they might not be happy. So they talk you down, but you had a high enough number. So the number that they talk you down to, you're still happy to get it. Right. Do you exactly? Do you, and, but you still have like a cutoff number. Has there been a point where you've turned down? Have, have you turned down um, anything like for budget for? Pay? Not I not a straight up turn down. There was um, there was one music video that I did um, back in December and the original idea was X. It was a normal video. Mm. And then as we started talking more and more, uh, I pitched them um, like we had done videos together before. And so when it was just this normal video, I was like, yeah, okay, that'll be the same cost as the videos we've done before. Mm. And so as they, we like started talking about like, oh, we could do this and that to make the video this much cooler. And they were all about it. And I was like, well, that comes with at a different price point. Mm-hmm. And and they, you know, and and I went I went really high because right, right. I I they they had really huge expectations for the video, so I definitely didn't want to not meet those expectations, and so I went really high. I was gonna like hire a gaffer and a couple other people. Normally, I just do it by myself right, for a right. music video, but I was like gonna hire an actual crew with this pie in the sky budget. Right and that immediately was like they said no way and we like walked down they they tried to go back to what the original original budget was and i was like absolutely not and we did a whole dance of negotiation and um you know it it got to the point where he the artist is just like man i can't do this for for more than what the original was and and i and i said well then uh you know I, I can't personally make the video for less than this number. And it was, it was, um, I don't care saying numbers, but so it was like the, the cutoff number for me to not do the video was $2,000. Right. Right. And, and I was like, and, and that is like sort of butchering what our original crazy idea was. Cause now at 2000, I can't hire the whole crew that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And, and so then, you know, he sort of, the artist took a day and was like, I can't afford that. Um, but if you, if you know anybody that could make the video as good as you can for, for the original price that we talked about, can you let me know? Get the fuck out of here. And, 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 and I, so yeah, I told him, I was like, I was like, Hey man, you know, I, I don't know anybody that like, I've, I'm already discounting you X and Y and. Like nobody's gonna actually, nobody's gonna deliver the same quality that I am for that low of a price, and and so he took a couple more days, and then eventually he was like, "All right, we can do 2,000." Okay, so I that see. was that was wow. one, but but that was one where I thought I was like, "I guess I'm not doing this job," 
because because I was hardlining at at a price and they weren't budging either. Interesting. And so, uh, you know, I didn't I didn't need the work so bad that I would go below my minimum, and and so I was like, nope, I'm I'm holding here. Interesting. And I thought interesting. That, I thought yeah, I thought they I thought it was gonna go badly, and then they eventually were like, all right, you're the guy to make this, and and I'll pony up and I'll pay for it. Dope, dope, dope. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, I guess so. You didn't. There wasn't. I guess like a missed or a turn down, a real turn down on your side. You're such a nice guy. Yeah, You're such a I nice mean that it, I try try to be man. You got the charm. Um, I, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think if there's one that I've really said no to, for budget reasons. But but you know I'm also a nice guy to a fault because if it's a project that sounds cool enough, and and they uh, and I'm like here's my minimum and they're like, we really can't do that. Could you do this? If it's a cool enough project, then I'll say, yeah, that's fine. I'll do that. You know, I'm trying to trying to get out of that, but it's definitely um, project by project that yeah. that sort of thing. I'll take into consideration. You know, if you it's, get, you definitely if, gave us that 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 good friend discount. <laughs> Honestly, I yeah. mean, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe you you wanted to try something out different. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, I think if we're like, that was definitely when I still didn't know what to charge. Oh, so okay. You, you guys were one of the people that I said, here's my rate. And you were like, yeah, we can totally do that. Yeah, yeah. No negotiation and, and, you know, there. <laughs> right. And But see, that's the thing is, you know, I've, I've definitely learned of like, if somebody doesn't negotiate, then you're not asking enough. Right, right. But like, you, you, you've lost it. Once they say, yeah, that's fine. You can't like, be like actually can we do 500 dollars more yeah yeah it's you know, a bad look you gotta file that away and you, yeah yeah say okay i charged renzo this much for a music video and he didn't care he, he was like yeah that's nothing yeah so then i gotta i gotta make sure when i do the next music video i gotta charge more right right you know? also also like it does so it does work on both sides as well because you know for one uh on your side you you give a rate and if I ex- agree immediately, then, you know, that's an indicator. It's like, okay, that might have been too low of a rate. Uh, right. But if I negotiate further, uh, even though, you know, we might have, uh, you know, you might have been giving me a low rate already. Um, even if I negotiate and you're like, no, that stigma of uh, giving too low of a rate isn't, isn't completely there anymore. Right. And yeah. Those are, those. Are, I feel like those are some gems. I feel like those are some gems. Good. That's um, good. Let's talk about these music videos that you are making for uh, this car dealership, uh, Gabe McDeal. Yeah. Gabe McDeal. Uh, you have made three, I believe. Six. Six. Whoa. Yeah. And this is a. I haven't posted them all. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, th- those videos are, are really dope. Um, Thank you. I encourage everybody to check it out uh, because, I mean, in terms of car uh, dealerships, I have not seen that level of <laughs> of production on a car dealership commercial, let alone yeah. like uh, just a single a, a guy, a car dealer man, like a person. Right. 
Yeah. Right. So, so how did that project come about? It seemed like a fun project. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so I worked with Gabe on a video maybe three or four years ago, right after I got out of college when he, he was, um, he was doing a nonprofit that was teaching kids the importance of reading and learning through basketball. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, my friend, my friends and I made a video about his charity and, um, that was sort of a one-time thing, never went anywhere. Mm-hmm. He, a few years later, started being a sales car salesman, and and he's a really smart guy. He like the concept and everything comes from him. Mm-hmm. He he writes the raps. He understands that the music videos will get more eyeballs on him, which will eventually turn into more sales for him. And I think there are like three or four hundred salesmen at that at the across the chain. Mm-hmm. and he's number three so it's like he he knows what he's doing as far as marketing himself right. over social media and he came up with the idea of doing um music videos that were the the brand cochran they sell 20 different car brands yeah and so he came up with the idea of doing a music video for each brand and um it was you know i he posted about it on Facebook. He's like, I need somebody to make a video for me. And I just hit him up. I was like, hey, man. Shot the shot. We, we had fun working together before. Let's do it again. And yeah. Yeah. And so, and but like it's been it's been a great collaboration because he, he is definitely really smart on how to do marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has, he gives me pretty much total freedom to, to do whatever I think is best for the video. Right. Um, you know, the, the one thing that he is really responsible for is in his original vision, he wanted to have animations in all the videos. Yeah. Um, and luckily one of my friends is, is a good animator. So we were able to collaborate in that regard, but, um, yeah, it's, he, he, he'll send me the song and I'll listen to it and try to come up with a storyline or, or something and uh, something that'll make it unique. Sometimes he'll come up with ideas for different animations or visual effects um the animations are yeah dope. that's yeah and who, they who I, I think who, they who, really set up who is your friend that does the animations dan helbling dan helbling okay yeah so he, he and i did the uh instagram live a few weeks ago oh okay okay oh that yeah. uh it's the same is he the same person who you did the whole damnation with yeah same, same person. Uh, yo, pivoting from yeah. the car commercials. I think I'll, if people check it out, they're self-explanatory. Um, they're pretty dope. Pivoting from that to the whole damnation. Uh, first of yeah. all, when is the whole damnation coming out? This has been a thing since like 20, 2014, 2013. Yeah. Uh, it's going to come out in 2020. Hopefully, hopefully before the pandemic's over. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding, man. I mean, it, you know, other other than the whole damnation, you you want to explain what the whole damnation is? Or? Yeah, sure. So, um, freshman year of college, we had some really motivating professors that were like, "Go out there and make a movie," and like you know, they would tell us like we could win Oscars, and you know, nobody's stopping us from making a movie. We have cameras that are good enough to do it. Yeah. So myself and and two other guys were like, "All right, yeah, let's let's go out there and make a movie." Right. And um, 
they uh the two of them hadn't really left pennsylvania before Mm -hmm. and so i was like well let's go on a big road trip and film the whole thing and we'll make it into a documentary um and kickstarter was like just starting to be a thing yeah before everybody like took advantage of it and now it's really hard to fund a kickstarter or to fund a film on kickstarter Mm -hmm. we were able to raise a few thousand dollars um that which paid for a bunch of paid for mostly hard drives but a handful of other pieces of gear for the filming Mm -hmm. um and yeah we drove around the united states for a month and filmed every second almost like there's something like 600 hours of footage where'd you go from pennsylvania to from pennsylvania all the way out to california down to texas and back Uh, stopped at every national park in between was uh you at the time have you ever been to any of those places um i had been to a handful of them the summer before that you know you know joe and greg right yeah joe yeah. and fonde and greg hawk we we had gone out to colorado the summer before oh okay okay and so so i had seen a handful of places but um that was like i was also when instagram was really big it like just started it was in popping 2011, off 2012 right yeah and so so i was like getting really into like i did a lot of research on cool places to go out west oh okay and, okay. and so i hadn't i hadn't been to most of the places but um it was you know i i had in mind where where all we should be going and right so so, yeah. so as like uh you know you're this is like a really big project you do a kickstarter but like okay you know it was dope um you and you shared a lot of your journey too uh and i i think there was a trailer uh yeah so what what was the main reason like for a holdup and and this could you know this could also apply to a lot of people who also have like you know a big project that they've just been sitting in the back burner like what are some of the things that you learned you know from having from doing like a big project like that and not completing it till years later yeah um i th- i think like a big part of it is we bit off more than we could chew mhm like we it's really easy to go out and drive around the country for a month and film mm-hmm. everything it's coming back and watching all of the footage and trying to to be like okay there's not really a story here you know we didn't have a story in mind when we went out other than going to see cool places so how do we take this footage make a story out of it make it interesting it's an hour and a half long and and so like you have to cut down from like 600 hours of footage down to three hours of a film down to two hours of a film down to an hour and a half of a film yeah um and so like doing all of that um took sorry i think my camera shut off but yeah so yeah the um the big thing with the whole damnation was that we just underestimated how long it would take to edit everything yeah you know i think it took took about two or three years to to actually get down to about two a two hour cut Mm -hmm. and then another year to get down to an hour and a half um and then that was like when i really dove into freelance and oh okay it it sort of like freelance you know I, i had a lot of free time in college to to do the editing but then once I was freelancing, it just, my free time went to pretty much nothing. That's a lot. And yeah. 
Yeah. And so that's that's sort of what what it's been for the last three or four years is, you know, I'll edit it here and there, but it's it's just been yeah. really hard because, you know, I, I've been focusing so much on on trying to be successful in freelancing that you you run out of time to do passion projects. And when you do have time, it's a lot easier to focus on small ones than right. the huge ginormous one. Right, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, I feel like that would, you know, that's like a, you've kind of put yourself through fire with that one. And yeah. it wasn't the, from what I see, it wasn't the only documentary that you worked on. Um, yeah. What, what other, uh, I guess, what has that like taught you and, uh, to bring into other sort of, to, to start filming with, with other documentaries. Yeah. I mean, so like that, it's the only feature length one that I've done, mm-hmm. um, feature length documentary. Um, which, which just means that it's like a long one. Right. Being, being longer than, um, 80 minutes, I guess is technically what a feature film is. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's the only feature length one I've done. And I think the big thing that I've learned is that, sort of with that um, introspective time that I was mentioning earlier, the I don't watch that many feature-length docs. I really like to watch ones that are like 25 minutes or shorter. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, with the stories that I want to tell, I think it's a lot easier to tell a more powerful story in that time, in, in, in the shorter time-length stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know it's hard you can't really make money on short documentaries yeah but you can get a lot more people to see them right um so there's there's good good and bad to all of it but um i'm sorry i i don't think i answered your question i sort of forgot where i was going no, with that. no you're good honestly for forget that question uh what are some uh you know what are some because doc- documentaries kind of, uh, you know, bring out a story. Uh, yeah. What is what are your approaches to doing those documentaries uh, to sort of forge a story uh, to put it into fi- like into a, a video um, to something where it sort of speaks to the soul because uh, i feel like yeah. that's what uh, some of your documentaries do um especially the ones that i saw about uh i think it was like appalachia food and i think it was like van life i believe mm-hmm. did, did you do a, did you do a doc on van like vans i was the subject of one. Oh, okay okay but my friend my fr- i was just the the person living in a van you were you were the subject of van life okay but uh, like the other one i mentioned like uh appalachia appalachian food shortage so how do you what is your approach like to make a a documentary definitely um i mean the 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 biggest thing is if you can if you can know the story ahead of time you can really guide the whole process of it um and so that that was a commissioned film about the food shortage in Pittsburgh and the world. Um, but it was, you know, I, the, the nonprofit that commissioned it came to me with 
the story that they wanted to tell. And mm -hmm. so I was in through through lots of phone calls and conversations with the producer at the nonprofit, I was able to figure out what is the story they want to tell? How are we going to get there? Um, and then, you know, what really I think helped with that one is, was um, the people that we interviewed, they were very vulnerable. You know, they had all interacted with a food shortage in one way or another. Um, and so you had to be really cognizant of that and not be, you had to be sensitive in to a point of like, okay, this guy who's the main character, he still doesn't have a secure income. He still doesn't have secure food on his table every week. So you have to be really aware and, and sort of nurture that relationship. And I, I think the success from that documentary came from having good relationships with the subjects. Right. Um, like, and, and that's, that's sort of what I've tried to foster as I've been filming other ones is, is, you know, the, in, in my past as, as somebody who would be like a hired gun for something, you just sort of show up, shoot it and bounce. And sometimes you don't even interact with the subject. Um, but I've found that like, you know, it's, it doesn't make the most economical sense to spend a ton of time with somebody, but if you can become their friend before you really start filming them, they're going to give you a much more genuine in look into what their life is. Right. Um, right. What are some of know, the, like, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just like the, the main character of the food doc was, you know, he and I would, we'd have conversations and hang out outside of just, filming for the, mm -hmm. the documentary. And so he was able to, to both tell a really intimate story from his childhood, but also he like let me into his house to film him making food. Right. And right. Like every, everybody else was really, uh, they were like, you want to come to my house and, and film me eating, like film me cooking and eating. That's yeah. weird. But got you, got you. What? Uh, okay. And, and, and sort of, you know, maybe wrap this up last couple of questions uh you know what you know what are some of, what is the what is the most impactful moment uh in your film career oh man <laughs> that's tough um i don't know there's definitely there's been a, a good handful um i think one of the one of the ones that meant a lot to me personally was there was an opportunity to um, outside magazine was filming a, a short video in West Virginia. And um, the director was a friend here in Pittsburgh and it was about rock climbing. And so he was like, you know, you're the only person I know that can rock climb and film stuff really well. So can you be the guy that, climbs next to the subjects and films them while they are climbing. And that was like, that was really cool. It was very special to be like, you know, I've put in effort to, to, to get good at two things that I really enjoy. And now they're coming together to, to be able to do them for one at a professional level, but also like to make money. And the whole experience was, you know, it was just a bunch of, bunch of guys basically camping and we happened to be working.
nice so nice that was like a that was a great experience um, um uh, another question uh how many hours of filming and editing do you think you've done or in my how life? many yeah like how many hours have you filmed how many hours have you edited i mean like for fun and for work yeah yeah for fun and for work um uh, yeah i mean in total i've easily spent more than 40 hours a week for the last five years of my life i would say closer to 60 or 70 hours a week filming and or editing shit for i don't know yeah. what the math is on that but i yeah i don't time. either but yeah you know it's definitely definitely more than uh a normal 40 hour week wait let me let me just just do a little We overheated again, Renz. Oh, shit. Just now. Um, no, it's all good. Uh, it's okay. We can finish We can finish the interview on voice. Okay. Uh, uh, so, congratulations on, on getting married. Uh, Thank you. You know, that's, that's, that's very dope. And I, I feel like I, ha- I definitely have more friends who are uh not married than married um so so that's pretty cool and how long how long have you and hannah known each other uh we've known each other since 2013 we started dating in 2016 and we got married in 2019 congratulations uh how, how has that you know changed things um only for the better i think you know we were certainly really involved in each other's lives but now that we've officially made a promise that we're gonna you know be together forever mm-hmm. till till we die and all that um we just casual anything we just yeah just just casual is just like no, till we, we die shit. <laughs> right um we're just if anything more supportive of each other you know like um it's it's not like my girlfriend Hannah anymore it's my wife and you know I'm gonna do do a lot for her to make sure that she's happy and chasing her dreams and being fulfilled and she's doing the same for me and so you know we can we can help each other out when times are tough or like you know I don't have a ton of business right now with COVID but she's thankfully employed through university so like things are able to even out that way like yeah. the the way that they even out financially they also even out emotionally and supportively and and all of that dope dope yep congratulations that sounds awesome i wish i could have been at Thank the you. wedding it looked fire yeah dude um, it was we missed you it was yeah, a blast word word um uh so you know now you're at this place you know you have a happy wife happy life you're at you're in pittsburgh at a, you have a crib now yep. you're not living in a van what yep. are you aiming toward now like what are your goals and aspirations with your craft with your with uh your personal goals like what are you looking yeah what are you looking toward yeah i mean on a personal level i focus a lot more on um my fitness now uh-huh. trying to do a lot of of running and biking and that kind of thing but mm-hmm. um 
professionally, I, so I started a production company with a former coworker, um, Davis Kimville. We started a company called Rocket Fuel Studios. So we, we had sort of crafted a, a creative partnership at that company and we both left um, a few months apart from each other. But when we left, when he left after I did, it was sort of like, okay, well, we both want to keep doing the work that we were doing there. Why don't we, you know, why don't we um, do that together right. without the constraints that we didn't enjoy from that job? Right. And so now we're trying to um, create a sustainable business, which is Rocket Fuel Studios, where we'll do commercial and documentary uh, filmmaking. And yeah, that's that's sort of that's that's my version of you know. I don't want to freelance until I'm 65 and don't and not have a retirement plan. You know, I I see Rocket Fuel becoming a thing where, you know, it's not just me and Davis. You know, we'll, we'll employ a handful of people, hopefully, in a very long term. But or, you know, get work that we enjoy doing and and you know be able to make money and save money and and have have uh, more <laughs> more uh, routine life if that if that's something that actually exists. Dope, dope. Yeah, man. I, I think that's dope. Uh, good luck on your on your endeavors and good luck. Uh, hopefully, good fortune, uh, more Thank good you, fortune your way and stuff. Uh, hope you guys are you know doing well during these times too. I know a lot of people are suffering. Maybe not us directly, uh, but we yeah. might know other people. So it can get hard. Um, but yeah, uh, I I really. I'm still trying to figure out the direction uh, with this podcast under Diodos itself. But what yeah. I think that uh, I want to do and that me and Mario uh, kind of want to aim for is to try to showcase creative people who are, you know, in the business or have uh, some sort of insight or even just like uh, young people who are in careers that, um, we are interested in uh, not necessarily yeah. you know maybe not necessarily anything that has to do with media or anything like that but you know i don't know but you work with us and i think you're a great you know fit and we hope to have you again soon down the line after more work maybe we co yeah, collab again soon too for sure yeah no thank you for having me it's it's definitely a pleasure to be here and uh you know i'm always happy to be a on a podcast it's a lot of fun hey all right well I, I don't know when um we'll have this up but hopefully next week or the following nice all right man i look forward to it be good be easy all right man. see you, you later too. man good luck good luck yeah. with everything uh tell hannah so what's up man. all right i will do all right man peace good out talking to you man you too bro bye, bye.